Star Wars Action News is brought to you in part by Brian's Toys. At Brian'sToys.com, you can find Star Wars toys and collectibles from 1977 to the present. Brian's Toys has it all, from vintage toys and action figures right up to the latest releases. And when checking out, be sure to say you were referred to Brian's Toys by Star Wars Action News. So go check out the world's largest selection of Star Wars toys at Brian'sToys.com. listening to Star Wars Action News, your source for Star Wars collecting news, reviews, and updates, helping Star Wars collectors collect better. Be sure to check out our website at SWActionNews.com, where you can see photos of the items discussed, chat with other Star Wars Action News listeners, and much more, including information on how you can be part of the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Star Wars Action News. I'm Marjorie. And I'm Arnie, and we have a great show. We have segments coming up from Brock and Barrett. We have a lot of Comic-Con exclusive news. We have a review of a gentle giant statue. But to start, Celebration Europe 2. Marjorie and I are once again working with Gus and the folks at the collecting track. Yep, the first piece of news we've got for you that we can talk about is the collector showcase. If you have something amazing that you want to bring in, something unique, hard to find, something that you think is really cool, you can bring your item to Celebration Europe, and we have locked cases where you can display it. They'll, of course, be secure, check-in, check-out, so no one else can take your stuff. But it is a really cool opportunity for you to show off something that's one-of-a-kind or unique or just really super awesome. I know a few people have already contacted me about things they want to bring, and that's great. If you have any information that you want to ask me or share with me, drop me an email, and I will be more than happy to answer any of your questions. Her email address is Marjorie, M-A-R-J-O-R-I-E, at SWActionNews.com. And don't think this has to be a prop replica or a prototype, although either of those would be awesome. At the display we had at Celebration 6, we had... For example, previous Celebration exclusives that were gathered together. The collecting track exclusives from previous years, the coins. We had so many custom-made craft items that were just awesome to display. So if you have anything like that that you're really proud of and want to get a chance to share with other collectors, drop Marjorie an email. And Celebration Europe is looming. Looming, yes. It is not far away. It is less than a month away now. Pressure is setting in. We have all of our travel plans made. I was so glad to find out just this past week, hey, our press passes were approved. It's good that we didn't go there just to be denied <laughs> and be like, well, guess we're going to see what's in this Essen town. Oh, yes. Lots of jokes about being in this Essen town. There's a lot of Essen jokes going around. Yes. We're going to have an Essen good time. Yes, we are. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook for all the latest information once we get to Celebration Europe. And it's going to be a lot of fun. But being the crazy people we are, (laughs) just a few days before getting on a plane for Germany, we're getting on a plane for San Diego Comic-Con. People have accused me of being a lot of things, Arnie, but no one has ever 
accuse me of being sane. Especially when it comes to travel. Yes. I love to travel, though. I think San Diego Comic-Con's like a tattoo. Once you start down that path, you just want to do it again and again. Well, like when I did my first half marathon, I've always wanted to do more of them, and I was going to get a tattoo with my first one, and then hash marks for each additional one. It's kind of like Comic-Con. Maybe I should get a big SDCC tattoo somewhere on my leg, and then do hash marks every time I go. Every year we say, well, maybe next year we won't go. We're always going to go. We're never not going to go. And it's not just about Star Wars stuff. It's about other things, too. So there's no matter what your interest is, there's always something else. But let's talk about the Star Wars stuff, because a lot more exclusives have been announced since our last podcast. On our last show, we talked about that Admiral Akbar mini bust that they had. That was very odd. And maybe not going to be that popular. I'd still wait for the clearance on this one. It pre-sold out. What? It is sold out through the Premier Guild. You were able to order it to be delivered to your house ahead of time. So that way you didn't have to worry about carrying it at the con. You did have to pay shipping. And it is no longer available for pre-con order. It is one of their sold out items. I don't understand that. Are there a bunch of mustachio-crazed people that must have Admiral Akbar in a captain's outfit and a mustache? Sometimes I think the unusual excites collectors. I will say, on our Facebook page, on our forums, on our Twitter feed, I didn't find a single person who was saying that's something they had to have. I know a lot of people who just buy everything General Giant and were buying that anyway, but this didn't seem to be the item to sell out. Of course, I'm a cynic. How many did they put up for pre-order? Did they put up as many of that for pre-order as other items? Is it that it was the first one announced and people didn't know what else was coming down the line? Is it that it actually didn't pre-sell very well, so they're creating demand? Any of a million things are possible because they didn't come out and say they've released X number for order beforehand, and once those are gone, then it's just at the con. These are still available for walk-up at the con, if you have to have them. I was so glad I passed on it, because admittedly, I'm one of those people, I don't have to have everything General Giant, but I'd like to. (laughs) I just don't get the appeal of this one, and if you bought it, good for you. It's just not something I feel I need to own unless I ran across it, maybe for 10 bucks. Even then, I'd be like, oh. I'd go 75 because it's 8 inches. But I wouldn't go what they're asking. And I was so glad I didn't when they announced another mini bust exclusive, a Boba Fett bust. And now this is something a lot of collectors have wanted because the original Boba Fett has really gone up in value since its original release. And a lot of mini bust collectors who got into the game a little late or just didn't pick up that piece at the time are missing this iconic cult favorite character. And so I know a lot of people were feeling a little bit bummed when it was announced, A, that it's a Comic-Con exclusive, this big character, a Comic-Con exclusive. B, it was $150. Now, for your $150, this is a deluxe bust with interchangeable arms, and it comes in a tin. Yeah, people love tins. I don't get that either. Well, I kind of get it. 
I like some tins. The thing is, again, I'm used to the deluxe bus being 10 to $15 more than the counterparts. It used to be the regular bus were 45 the deluxe were 60 then the regular bus were 75 the deluxe were 90 to 95 It still doesn't justify the 150 as I was at 5 below the other day. They have plenty of Star Wars tins there that are $5 and below, hence the name. So were the minibus cheaper when you used to walk uphill to school with no shoes on in the winter? Yes. Okay. Just because that's how you sound. Back in my day, Sonny! Well, this is why I don't buy as many minibusts, is the price has gone up. But I think the tin is a way to add exclusivity to this and add price to this without adding a lot of cost to this. I'm curious, though, if these will be readily available online or maybe at Celebration Europe as they're making 2,500 of these. That's a huge number. That is a lot of them. For this day and age of Star Wars collectibles, we're going to be talking about the gentle giant clone trooper statue a little later. They only made 600 of those as a Celebration 6 exclusive. So this is over four times as many and only slightly cheaper for half of a figure, a bust. Remember the great minibus world tour? Yes, that was nightmarish. So shouldn't complain. I'm not complaining at all. I went ahead, I pre-ordered this. I'm only complaining about the price. I complained about the price of the world tour, too. Yes, you did, I know. I mean, those weren't expensive from General Giant. They just let the scalpers make all the money. Yes, they did. Here, somebody posted on our Facebook page, are they just deciding that the scalpers have made too much, so they're just going to charge what the scalpers used to get? The arms look kind of silly. I mean, you can have Boba Fett with his arms sticking out to the side. I don't know if he's about to do the robot or the safety dance. It's the sprinkler. That's what it is. Maybe it's traffic cop Boba Fett. And he's out there directing traffic on Coruscant or something. Obviously, you want him in his fairly iconic pose. Now, this is Return of the Jedi paint scheme Boba Fett. For those who can tell the difference, I have to have him side by side to tell, but... I will have them side by side. I do have the original Boba Fett. I'm looking forward to this one. The price kind of bothered me a little, but I was like, I didn't get the Akbar, so I'm going to do this. Then they announced a third bust, and that blindsided me. I was used to having one bust, maybe two, three busts at one con. That surprised me. That was a little surprising, but they have gone and done another Macquarie bust, which seems to be the tradition now for Comic-Con. This one is 3PO, so you get the traditional Macquarie bust for Comic-Con, and this time, I love 3PO, so... I like the 3PO. I don't know how many of these Macquarie mini-busts I would have gotten if I hadn't started way back with the 30th anniversary when Macquarie was all the rage. It makes me wonder if there might be a Macquarie R2 companion piece at Celebration or something. That would be really nice, because you can't do one droid without the other. I'm sorry. But doing an R2 mini-bust is also problematic. Well, you just do an R2. Yeah, that's what they've done in the past. Because, what are you going to do, half a dome? Then it just looks like he's had an accident or something. But I did pick this up, and yeah, they have called it a tradition, and it really is to go back to these concept art paintings, and they've done Boba Fett, Vader, the Snowtrooper, and now this 3PO, which very inspired by the movie Metropolis, and it has a really nice look to it. I'll just tell you, though, I was almost whooping for joy at my desk at work when I found out it was only $75. (laughs) Because after Akbar and Boba Fett... I figured it was going to be 120 for sure. You're so funny, Arnie. This is a totally different Arnie. 
How so? Well, it used to be it was bye bye bye. How much? Okay, bye bye bye. And now that your wallet has been getting a break because there hasn't been very much to buy lately, and convention exclusives compared to like the 30th anniversary of Star Wars and the crazy gentle giant years, everything's kind of calmed down and slowed down. It's turned you kind of into a cheapskate. I like a bargain. I know. It didn't used to be. Well, it used to be just buy because you never knew, but now it's getting a little easier to predict because I think a lot of people have left the collecting or have scaled back because there hasn't been as much. And I'm even being forced to scale back. The thought of all those new movies coming, you can't be a completist. You have to buy the things you really like and put the money towards the things you really like. But here's the thing. Just because the new movies are Star Wars does not mean that they will be iconic like the original movies. But they might be. They might be. However... There's going to be so many toys, busts, statues. It's marketing. And so there's so much out there. I just need to pick and choose what I like. And we know you're very susceptible to mass marketing and hype. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a very expensive year, 2015. I know. I know. Gentle Giant announced a final exclusive, and this isn't one that I am passing on unless I'm standing in line. This has happened before where I'm like, oh, I'm passing on that. And then at the con, I find myself standing in line. I'm looking at you, Vinyl Cape Jawa. <laughs> this is a jumbo yak face figure. It's really cool. I, I like these, and some of them are good, and some of them aren't. I like the non-humans, I think, better. Again, you run into a display issue, then, but he's cool. He's iconic. He's one of the fun ones. Yeah, being that he was never released in the States as a vintage card, he seems like a perfect choice for an exclusive. I think General Giant did the smartest thing ever by starting to just bring character favorites instead of looking at the order in which Kenner released them and said, we're going to release them in that exact same order. Because we would just be stuck in late A New Hope and early Empire Strikes Back hell with Hoth Rebel Trooper and so many of these characters, which I love in the three and three quarter inch scale. Don't get me wrong. I'm not disrespecting those figures, but with the jumbo figures and like you mentioned, the display space, I think you need to go iconic. And by hitting the bounty hunters and the aliens and the Gamorrean guard and getting into the return of the Jedi figures, which it's amazing to me looking at the vintage figures, the amount of detail, the evolution of toy manufacturing from 1978 to 1983. I mean, it's night and day when you start looking at the Amana Man figure, which I almost bought a vintage Amana Man to put with my Power of the Force figures before they did him in the Power of the Jedi line, because that 1984 figure was so well sculpted, it fit in very well with the 1996 stuff. So I think that the later figures look better at the 12-inch scale than some of those early ones. And like you say, the non-humans do better as well. Yeah, they do. Because there's something about having the small, minimal detail human, but when you blow that up, all the flaws come out. It's kind of like taking a really piece of small artwork, scanning it, and then you enlarge it on your computer. You see every single little pixel, and that's what happens with the figures. They just don't hold up well. Yeah. I didn't pre-order the Yak Face. I didn't pre-order the Vinyl Cape Jawa either, and I ended up getting him at the con, so we'll see. You're just going to let the moment happen. Yeah, exactly. See what I'm feeling when I look at things, because a lot of times, seeing things in person look a lot better than the photos online, and maybe I'll see that Yak Face and go, I have to have him, but... For the moment, I'm enjoying picking and choosing just my absolute favorites of those jumbo figures. It is a space thing and a money thing. And speaking of money, I am going to save a little bit this year. Sideshow announced 
It was rumored online, but confirmed to Marvelicious Toys, our sister podcast that covers Marvel collecting, that Sideshow is not doing any San Diego Comic-Con exclusives this year. Ouch. Or yay, I can't decide. I'm very curious what this means. Sideshow has kind of been funky lately. I mean, we've seen that life-sized Han and Carbonite twice now on display at cons. Part of me wants them to never release it <laughs> because I think it's going to be outside my price range. I think it's going to be around 10000 Oh, I mean, I could almost buy my own ship for that. <laughs> but who's going to fly it? So I don't want them to release it and I not get it. But I don't want to spend 10000 and so I'm just happy with them not releasing it. But they also canceled the clean C-3PO life-sized bust. They always have this huge booth at Comic-Con full of all their licensees, the Predator, Alien, Terminator. It's an impressive booth because you walk past, you think you could be looking at a prop shop. I love it. It is just so much fun to go through, and people are just ooh and ah. A lot of people who go to Comic-Con have never seen these big items like this before, and it's kind of fun to stand back and just watch people drool over the different items. I love it, especially the life-size stuff, and it's like a museum when you go through the sideshow booth, I think. Yeah, I agree completely, and I take pictures for the site, but a lot of people are just taking pictures like tourist photos. Yeah. As if they were taking pictures of actual props. I mean, like we've done at that From Science to Imagination display and Uh very other museum displays where they have the actual props and you take photos. That's how people are in the sideshow booth. It's just fun to watch people, and I love it when the little kids go up and see like the life-size 3PO and R2-D2 and get super excited. So we'll have to hold out and see what they've got coming up. Maybe they've got something great coming up for Celebration Europe, or maybe even next year there's some great stuff coming up at Comic-Con. Well, they did say that there will be exclusive items, just not through the con. Maybe they'll be made available online. We're going to talk a little bit later. I'm pretty sure Sideshow 1 6-scale collectors aren't feeling a lack of things to buy right now. They released four clones this week. We'll talk about it in just a little bit. Stay at Comic-Con news for right now. But yeah... No Sideshow San Diego Comic-Con items. And I'm curious if maybe for the sixth scale, they might have held it back and do something shared online and over at Celebration Europe. We haven't heard about a lot of Celebration Europe exclusives from companies like General Giant or Sideshow. Just Hasbro saying that the Boba Fett, Han, and Carbonite Black series will be there as well. Now, for perhaps the oddest entry into the Comic-Con exclusives. It's free, and I'm super excited about it because I need three of them. The rule of three is applying to this item? Yes, it is. Petco is going to have a booth at Comic-Con, and they're going to have free Yoda dog and cat ears because they are going to debut a new line of Star Wars Pets fan collection items that hit stores on September 1st. When 900 dog years old you reach, feel as embarrassed wearing these ears you will not. Oh, I'm going to have mad dogs. They're just going to hate it. I have three dogs who are nudists. They hate clothes. They hate hats. It's just, it's horrible for me because I want to dress them up because they're little. And it just pains me to not be able to dress them up. But I mean, things are going to have to learn because, one, I want them to wear the Yoda ears. They already have giant ears because they're chihuahuas. But now there's going to be things like a chihuahua dog hoodie. Wouldn't that be cute? Yeah. yeah. See? There's going to be William Falcon cat teaser toys. I don't really know what that means. If it's a laser light thing, our dogs go crazy for those. Oh, yes. I have two dogs that love laser toys. 
One of them thinks he's a cat. But I don't know. I'm going to be excited about going to the Petco booth because I think this is super awesome. I imagine you'll be walking by them three times on preview night. Maybe you'll take different t-shirts. You have enough. And you could just, like, change t-shirts every time and pull your hair in different styles every time so they think you're someone new getting more dog ears. Nice dig about my t-shirts. Just saying. Acme Archives announced that they will have a San Diego Comic-Con exclusive character key. And I wasn't sure if they would do it or not. Just because the character keys have kind of died down. Oversaturation again. And this time, it is Bausch. I think it's pretty cool. I assume you're going to get it pre-ordered it, I assume. I have already pre-ordered for pickup. Speaking of increasing prices, this is $39. It's limited to 250 pieces. How much did they used to be when you used to walk uphill to school in the snow with no shoes on? $30 range. Okay, so that's not too bad. If you aren't going to San Diego Comic-Con, on July 17th at 5 p.m. Pacific, there will be a non-attendee order available as well. So you you are like me and you have every other character key and this would leave a hole in your collection. Hit their website on preview night. And that's pretty much why I ordered. I think this one looks okay, but... I don't know that Bausch is a character I'd have to have. To me, Bausch isn't really even a character. It's an outfit that Leia wore. I understand that she jacked some poor bounty hunter's outfit. There's some naked Bausch around somewhere. But they do have a little blue line sketch of Leia in the corner as well, saying that she is under the hood. But if it wasn't that I had all of these... I don't know that I'd look twice at it. Yeah, I just... You're right. Vouch is not a character. It's an outfit. So we hope to see you at San Diego Comic-Con. We will not be seeing you unless you've already RSVP'd at the Star Wars Fan Breakfast. The news on this actually seems to have gone viral this year with Twitter and the unofficial Comic-Con blog posting about it, which caused outside Comic-Con to post about it, which caused so many other people to post about it. Would you believe over 500 people have RSVP'd and we've had to turn through 300 or more away? This is insane. I don't know what to think of this. And this just started out that we really enjoyed the Star Wars fan club breakfast when they had a fan club. And it was always great hanging out with Larry and whoever else we ran into. So the first year they didn't have it when they announced that the fan club was no longer. The three of us all had breakfast together at the Marriott. We had breakfast together, had fun. Saw Stan Lee eat oatmeal. Yep, he eats oatmeal for breakfast. And then we decided, hey, we need to include some more people in this because that's what was missing about the breakfast. We had a great time with Larry, but we always had a lot of fun with everyone else, too. So let's make this a little bigger. And then each year it kind of grew where more people would come and more people would come. And some we knew, some we didn't. And then all of a sudden this year we got mentioned on the Comic-Con blog thing and boom, tons of people. And just honestly, I hope everybody has a good time. We have worked to really bring in some prizes. I want to thank all the people who have donated prizes to this. Chronicle Books. Hallmark. Oh, Hallmark has gone above and beyond. Everybody who's gotten in is going to get a cup. We're going to have the exclusive Rancor ornament. That right there is worth it as a prize, not just because it's such a cool ornament, but because it means you don't have to club a baby seal to get in line and get that in the morning. <laughs> Gentle Giant, Kotobukiya, Diamond Select, Delray Books, Random House, Audio. We're going to have print and audio copies of Troy Denning's new novel, Crucible, at that breakfast. Uncle Milton, they're not even going to be at the con, but they're sending us a prize. Mimoko, 
And unfortunately, the embargo on what they're giving away is still in place, but it's a very cool prize. Completest Publications, Gus and Duncan's publication company with their Star Wars collecting books. And Sideshow. So much we're giving away. And I hope people have a good time because this year, because of Celebration Europe, a lot of people aren't coming. Previous years, Steve Sansweet has come with a little bit of an entourage, and he's not even going to Comic-Con this year. And so we have a couple of celebrity guests who are tentative because celebrities always have a lot of plans at Comic-Con. But we're looking forward to Star Wars fans and some good fun at 7.30. And so hopefully you RSVP'd, and if not... If you email me now, I'm starting a list so next year, everyone who RSVP'd, whether or not you got in this year, will be the first ones to know next year if we do this, and let's face it, we are. Yeah, and I guess this (laughs) eliminates the question of us going to Comic-Con or not next year. Unless Disney tells us not to, because they'll revive the fan club and do it themselves. So, thanks to everyone who has publicized this, and thanks to everyone who's coming. It's going to be a fun way to kick off Star Wars Day at Comic-Con. In stores, I actually went to Toys R Us and bought an item this week after our last show when Marjorie told me to go out and get that Yoda bust bank. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and give it the yak face treatment, make a little bronze Yoda. And because we've got nice landscaping out in our backyard, we've got a pool and everything, I think what I'm going to do is get some of the nice bricks at the local hardware store and kind of construct it and maybe set him up a little higher out there and maybe get a little fountain to put him in the middle of or something. What I didn't realize from the pictures is there's that little slot in his back, which of course makes sense that there would be because you have to put coins in there. It's a bank, Arnie. You have to put the money in somehow. I almost think you could stick like a fountain nozzle out of it and make him the fountain. Exactly. So I'm going to investigate the options and see what I can do after I get back from Europe. Yeah, one of our listeners, Tim Eskin, did this exact thing and sent us some photos of his bronzed Yoda, and he didn't do the green. He basically took this bank and just did the spray paint for the bronze. Looked phenomenal. I don't think that you have to put a lot of work into this. Diamond did the work for you. I was taking some pictures of it before you had a chance to take them and paint them. The sculpt on this is amazing. I can't believe just how great a facial expression they got and how it really is taking me back to the vintage days of Empire with the Yoda hand puppet and the Yoda magic eight ball. (laughs) It's just a great, great sculpt on this one. There's so much you could do with that. And so, yeah, I picked one up at Toys R Us. And also, in stores today, the reason this show's coming out on Tuesday instead of Monday is the newest Star Wars book, Crucible, taking place after the Legacy of the Force and Fate of the Jedi book arcs. Troy Denning is back with a Han, Luke, and Leia story. We're going to have Troy on the show next week to get in-depth and talk about this and his other books. But here with a spoiler-free review is Brock. This is Brock, Star Wars Action News Book Club Liaison, with a spoiler-free-as-possible review of Star Wars Crucible by Troy Denning. Review copy courtesy of Delray Books. It has been 45 years since the events of A New Hope, and Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, and Princess Leia are realizing they are not the youngsters they used to be. Still looking their wounds physically and mentally from the events of the Fate of the Jedi series, Leia and Han are going to visit Lando Calrissian and try to help him deal with pirates who are threatening his new mining operation. 
but when there are assassination attempts on Lando, Leia, and Han's lives, and a massive accident leaving thousands of citizens dead, they realize there is so much more going on here than they originally thought. It appears the Kurf brothers, two of the super-intelligent race, the Kalumi, have hatched a diabolical scheme that will allow them to take over the galaxy while settling some old scores. They have built their base on a mysterious object whose power no one, not even the Kalumi, fully understand. Have the Lost Tribe of the Sith returned to wreak havoc on the galaxy? Will Luke, Lando, Han, and Leia be able to stop the Kalumi? What is this mysterious large artifact? All of these questions and more will be answered in Star Wars Crucible. Star Wars Crucible is the first book to take place after the uneven and underwhelming Fate of the Jedi series, and I like that they decided to do a one-off rather than a trilogy or a duology. Going in, I was actually welcoming a story with the Core 3 rather than Ancient Jedi or Pre-OT era or books about Jedi librarians. I was also excited about the return of Troy Denning to the Star Wars universe. I am a fan of his Star Wars writing as I typically enjoy his character work as much as his action scenes. And what a difference an author makes. Denning has crafted each chapter to make you want to keep reading. It is like clockwork how many of these chapters he sets up the situation that implores a twist or a surprise that completely moves the scene into a different direction than you expected and then keeps you guessing about what is really going on, leading you on as the chapter ends. You just want to keep reading, and when you do, he sets you up and knocks you down again. He reveals the pieces and parts of his villain's plan ever so sparingly, yet is able to build each twist to the other and it all fits together without getting confusing. Denning is a master at turning a phrase, like for example, Han shot Leia a scowl to suggest she needed an eye exam. I'm not doing it justice. It's perfect in explaining the moment when it was used and true to the characters and how they interact. You'll get what I mean right in the first chapter. Mr. Denning wastes little time getting back in comfortably with Han and Leia before we get a full-on action scene in a cantina that introduces new characters, reintroduces old ones, sets up the first mystery of the novel, all the while giving us fun and satisfying character moments, like the Mandalorian realizing that these are the solos he is facing and his attitude changes, or Han's reaction to the naive boy at the table, and Leia's capper line at the end of the scene when Han takes a stump of an arm with him out of the bar. Denning unfolds the plot ever so carefully, yet not too slowly that the reader feels toyed with, and he does so with a minimum of monologuing and blatant data drops. Crucible delves into harder science fiction elements than a lot of other Star Wars books. This is the second book this year that introduces unnatural biological experiments. There is mind probing and mapping, biots, which are biological robots, think the T-800 from the Terminator movies, cloning, and space-time conversations. Thankfully, the latter isn't delved into too much, yet at the end I was left feeling the entire concept wasn't used to its fullest potential. The theme of age is prevalent throughout the novel. We are constantly reminded of how old Luke, Han, and Leia are. As characters enter the book, whether it's Ben Skywalker or Jaina Solo or new characters like Oman Keg, we are told how old they are, and Luke is still nursing his wounds from that fight with Abeloth. There's a gaping hole in his body where he lost a rib and part of a lung. He is limited physically as his chest hurts when he has force visions, reminding us of Luke's permanent injuries and how he, Han, and Leia are physically compromised throughout the book works in tandem with how their older tricks and ideas aren't working against these new foes that we are constantly reminded are always two steps ahead of everyone else. 
The title crucible, I always think it means melting pot, but the word actually can also mean a severe test, and Denning certainly does everything he can to make this a true test for our heroes. Denning stacks the odds against our heroes incredibly fiercely in this book. He has this new race of lizard beings called the Nargons that are incredibly tough to take down with a lightsaber, never mind a blaster. The Mandalorians are wrangling them for their bosses here, the puppet masters, the super-intelligent Kerf brothers. And if that wasn't enough, they have Severa Rain, who's essentially Mara Jade in Emperor's Hand mode. The mining complex is in an unnavigatable part of space, and they travel into a time-bending rift called the Bubble. Think a time-bending Bermuda Triangle and then into a, let's call it a force nexus, so as not to give too much detail away. They deal with torture, physical and mental anguish, all of this designed to put the main three heroes in such an unwinnable predicament that you were supposed to wonder how they are ever going to get out of this. Denning takes all this time setting up these insurmountable foes and situations. We get a true feeling of our heroes being at a loss to know how to win here, how to defeat these enemies. And then at the climax, changes the dynamic so they can be defeated by force, pun intended. And sure, you can take the setting of the climax, the aforementioned force nexus, to be the other meaning of the word crucible, the hot melting pot that combines metals, and in this case, the characters are all thrown into this great hot mess of raw force energy. We see how each of them react, thrive, or is defeated by this power. But it reads like an acid trip fantasy land, where the battle is like Kryptonians fighting it out on Earth. And more than the super force powers and the transformations, what gets me about this crazy brawl in this force nexus is for all the themes and the talk of age in this novel, it comes down to our two experienced Jedi going blow to blow against essentially force novices and almost losing. Their years of experience of fighting with and feeling the force doesn't come into play. The climax of this book is frustrating, as it doesn't do proper justice to the book that preceded it. Our heroes get pretty beat up in this book. There's brutal imagery of Han Solo losing an eye or Princess Leia getting severely burned, for example, that is unlike anything I recall reading before in a Star Wars novel. Of course, they're put right back together quickly enough with surgeries and back to healing just to be cut down again. I started to wonder for the first time, maybe, is it possible, as they wouldn't actually kill one of them in this book, but would they injure them irrevocably? Which brings me to my next point. As I record this review in mid-2013, we know there is an Episode 7 coming. We know it will take place after Return of the Jedi. We don't officially know yet if the three original cast members are going to actually return, or if their characters will, or for how much of the story. But we do know the EU we have been reading for the past 20-plus years is about to be compromised. And that could give Star Wars publishing and authors like Denning a chance to do what could never be done before. Kill one of the big main characters. And that could have been here. But instead, we get to read them get severely injured over and over again. Though, if one day they do decide to kill Luke, Leia, or Han in an EU novel, expect Troy Denning to be in the thick of it. He has written the deaths of two solo children, after all. There is likely now a moratorium on new fiction for adventures with the movie characters in the post-Return of the Jedi time frame. And given the coda at the end of this novel, I wouldn't be surprised if Mr. Denning knew before we did that there were new movies on the way. The coda to this book is a perfect farewell to our main heroes, a passing of the torch scene like the end of Star Trek VI that feels completely earned.
I enjoyed Denning's characterization of Han Solo quite a bit here, as he aptly showcases the character's wits, brains, and action-oriented sides. Han Solo gets captured for an extended period in this book, and there's this extensive torture sabbat game that is a feast of disturbing images and concepts. It gets dark, and then darker, before a glimmer of hope is restored. You know Mr. Denning is doing something right, as these scenes, more than any other, have continued to haunt me for days now after reading them. And throughout that torture, you never doubt the resolve, the quips, the emotional reactions of this characterization of Han Solo. He is the standout character in this novel. We do get some nice moments with Luke, and one scene where Princess Leia's sharp tongue from the OT makes a welcome reappearance. The Kalumi villains, the super-smart alien race, have been around the EU for quite some time, though it has been a while since I recall them popping up. They are portrayed as always being two steps ahead of the protagonists, the brainy villains who think of everything. And that plays well with the bait-and-switch chapter styles Mr. Denning so often uses. Once the plan is revealed, you can't help but think that they went through an incredible amount of trouble and money just to make that happen. But luckily, Denning backs it up with strong character motivations and quirks. There is one scene where Han Solo discovers the lengths the Quirf brothers will go to to even the score. And we learn how incredibly vicious and cavalier about literally destroying a person's life these two brothers are. It's a haunting passage that I don't care to repeat here, for when you think about what really is being said, it is nothing short of incredibly depressing. There are times when this book gets almost as uncomfortably dark as the darkest portions of the New Jedi Order. The Mandalorians here are like Mando lights. They're supposed to be these incredible warriors, hard to defeat, prepared for all contingencies, and here they are bested almost every scene they're in. The new species, the Nargons, are much more fearsome, and they give the protagonists the run for their money that the Mandalorians usually do. For long-time EU readers, Star Wars Crucible is a must-read. While this should be no one's first Star Wars EU novel, casual EU readers will get some nice stuff out of this book as well, as Star Wars Crucible is a mostly entertaining book that gave this long-time EU reader a nice sense of closure. It's a one-more-time-with-feeling adventure that up until the inexplicable climax had me turning pages furiously, wondering how our Star Wars heroes were going to get out of this current situation. Going into the last 50 or 60 pages, I was ready to give Star Wars Crucible a rave review. But unfortunately, that climax into video game territory makes me ebb to a solid recommend for Star Wars Crucible. For Star Wars Action News and the Star Wars Action News Book Club, this is Brock. Now back to Arnie and Marjorie. Thank you, Brock. And once again, I'll be talking to Troy Denning this week and have him on the show next week for a conversation that will have some spoilers. So rush out and get Crucible and give it a read. And then you can listen to the full interview next week. Now for some online news. As I mentioned, Sideshow Collectors have had a wealth of 1-6 scale figures to buy this past week as they put up for order not one, not two, not three, but four. 12-inch clones. So it's a grand slam of clones. And imagine, since no clone ever goes anywhere alone... (laughs) They have an entourage? I could have seen myself at one point in time buying three each of these, which would have been a dozen clones to add to a really awesome six-scale diorama. Especially since... 
These clones come with Phase 1 and Phase 2 helmets. So if you consider those as two separate... Yeah, I could see myself of picking up a half dozen each of these clones. You wouldn't have done that with these. I never troop build in that scale, but it would be awesome. Yeah. There are four new clones out there. There's the 501st Trooper with his Phase 1 and Phase 2 helmet. There's Veteran. And the description just says, These seasoned vets have survived countless hard-fought battles. And it's just your generic white clone, again with the Phase 1 and Phase 2 helmets. And then there's Shiny, who is the same armor, but without the battle damage. Oh, good. I thought they had named them Shiny and Veteran. I'm like, well, they got screwed on the nicknames compared to the rest of the clones. They say Shiny are the rookies, and Veterans are the ones who've been in some battles. Got it. And then you've got the 212th Trooper, which is a Sideshow exclusive online figure, not available through any of the online retailers other than Sideshow. And this is basically your Utapau Trooper with the mustard yellow. No, they're orange. You're colorblind in your old age. It's a yellowish orange. Or an orangish yellow. (laughs) These come with a ton of accessories. And I'm going to say that even though, again, as we've kind of discussed this episode prices go up on everything. At 140 a trooper, with all these accessories you get for the armored figures, I think there's a lot for clone fans to be happy for. Oh, this would make any clone fan happy, I believe. And I like that they're just giving you the interchangeable helmets. So if you want to do Phase 1 or Phase 2 armor, you don't have to buy two figures. If you want to display both at the same time, then at least you get that option to do so. And they've already teased a next six-scale figure for people who think that the six-scale wasn't getting enough love. They're doing a prototype white armor concept Boba Fett. Interesting. I think Boba Fett's just going to stay popular. Well, I mean, there's the talk of him getting his spin-off movie and everything, and that prototype image has been with especially original trilogy fans for so long. I'm curious to see how they'll do with concept figures in the 1-6 scale versus just going movie accurate. I'm not going to get the Boba Fett, but I'll say if they did a 6 scale Macquarie Vader or some things like that, I could see myself really getting into that whole line, you know, the way I have with the Gentle Giant mini busts. That could be actually really awesome. Possibly. But you can pre-order those three non-exclusive clones right now over at Star Wars Action News sponsor Brian's Toys. And they also have the Gentle Giant Jumbo Power Droid. If you didn't want to have to get a three-pack that you didn't know how necessarily you'd display, the Power Droid is estimated to ship early in July, and it's $90 at Brian's Toys. And that is definitely one of the jumbos that I absolutely love. I loved that figure as a kid. I remember how the legs used to make this ratcheting sound as they'd go from position (laughs) to position. And for some reason, that really just made me happy as a kid. And his blue color, big sticker on the front. Also at Brian's Toys, they still have the vintage-style Jocasta New in stock, as well as Gentle Giant Imperial bookends. And remember, when checking out at Brian's Toys, be sure to mention that you heard about them on Star Wars Action News. Also online this week, I did some shopping. Chris Trevis, who is a Star Wars artist we've had on the show a couple of times, he's done art for the Essential Guides put out by Del Rey. Just a great style, virtually photorealistic. Well, he has opened an online store, and... 
I'll be honest, a lot of artists have online stores, and you go and you can get books of their art and things, and it's a way for them to sell some stuff. And so I went, and they had kind of what I expected. You can get the Never Tell Me the Odds print from Celebration 6, an artist-proof version of that for 150 You can get the Millennium Falcon 3D's Owner's Guide autographed by him for $25. The Star Wars Blueprints Rebel Edition autographed for $20. This is what I'd expect. But my heart skipped a beat when I noticed the original art section. And I actually sent him a message and said, Chris, when you say original art... Are you saying that it's art that you did that's original to you and you're selling prints of it? Or is this the actual art you drew? And this is the actual pencil drawings and paintings he's done that have been published in other places that he's selling for an incredibly reasonable amount. That makes him really super cool, though. That it's actually what he drew. Yeah. And his style is one that just clicks with me, the detail on it. And the prices ranged from 150 to 200. That's it for art that was actually published in the Star Wars Kids magazine. And he had a lot of pieces out there, and I was toying with it. There was a Jawa that was really cute. I mean, Jawas are always good. There's a Wampa who doesn't look quite so mean, but he's even though he's got blood in his beard, he almost looks like he's smiling for his birthday party photo. Aww. There was a really good Prince Shizor. There was an Ula. An Ula drawn for a kid's magazine. So it was a very demure (laughs) Ula. The Rancor, so many great pieces. Sebulba, I had to have one. I ended up going with the Rodian. It's not named Greedo, but he's at a cantina. He looks a little bit grumpy, a little bit disgruntled, but he's in the orange coat with the general Rodian outfit that everyone on Tatooine wears. It was five by five inches by eight inches acrylic and colored pencil on watercolor board from star wars kids magazines three and it was 150 dollars. i bought that and then let other people know and it looks like things are selling pretty well already gone is the jawa the rhodian the gamorian bosk but there's some great pieces still there and this is one of a kind if you don't buy it there's just one if someone gets to you before you do it's gone i want to know who's going to buy the yarna i'm sorry it's Askajan. Which is Yarna's cousin, maybe? I think the alien species is Askajan. Ah, Askajian. Yeah, it is Yarna. It's the Askajian dancer from Jabba's Palace. Hey, sometimes you gotta draw him. I consider the Efontmon, just because I have this thing for Efontmon. And it's a really detailed piece with the staircase in the back. I considered so many of these. The Space Slug, the Minoc, the Ula. I kind of thought you might like the Gungan. If it was Jar Jar, I'd have been all over it. If it was Jar Jar, yes. So this is something I'm going to be checking regularly for new updates and definitely check it out. It's through storeenvy.com and we'll have a link directly to Chris Trevis's area on our homepage. He's one of the only two Celebration Europe prints I pre-ordered too. He's just a great guy. Now over at Star Wars Action News sponsor Big Bad Toy Store, they've got the Black Series Star Wars figures available for pre-order. This is the three and three quarter or the six inch So if you want to be sure to get those, you can pre-order them now. And also, they have in stock, discounted, and ready to ship the Hot Toys Bespin Luke Skywalker. And remember, this is a figure two-pack. You get regular Bespin Luke and battle-damaged, beat-to-hell Bespin Luke. 
plus the weather vane. The retail on that was three hundred. It's in stock now, two seventy nine ninety nine. And Hot Toys just does such a wonderful sculpt on this. The face on this is uncanny. Hot Toys are amazing. I cannot stress that enough. So please, when shopping at Big Bad Toy Store, use the link from our homepage. It isn't a commission thing, but it's a tracker thing, so it helps them know that you're hearing about them through us. Now, finally, the last bit of big news is we announced on a previous show that Legoland was having an event with an exclusive Lego minifigure, and they took that giant Lego X-Wing from New York and took it over to Legoland in California for the event. Our reporter and podcast enhancer, Barrett, was on hand to talk to the master builder who did that X-Wing. Hey everybody, it's Barrett, Master Collect Em All, your Swan Holocron Enhancer and Reporter, and I'm here with Ryan Siegelbauer. And Ryan is the Master Builder here for LEGO, and we are at Star Wars Day here at Legoland California, and we're here to celebrate the life-size X-Wing. That's right, it's Star Wars Days, and we have a giant life-size X-Wing. It's made from 5.3 million bricks. It's the world's largest LEGO model. It's very proud of it, we're very excited to be showing it off. It's going to be here at Legoland for the rest of the year, and um, it's a really exciting new model. you got to come see it. Can you take us through a little bit of the process of what goes into building a huge model like this? Are these all traditional bricks? Are there some special elements in there? So the model's built from, like I said, 5.3 million bricks, standard Lego bricks, just like what you could buy, like what you have at home. In theory, if you had 5 million bricks laying around, you could build it yourself. There is some steel inside of it, but the brick isn't modified. It's not special brick. Uh, The steel is there for earthquake support, so if there's an earthquake, it would probably shake apart. But with the steel in it, it remains stable. Uh, Because of the steel and all the brick, it weighs 46,000 pounds, which is pretty hard to grasp your head around, but it's uh, so heavy that we have to move it with a crane. And actually, it's the biggest and heaviest model I've ever touched. Uh, Some of the parts, um, it's sort of modular. Um, So some of the parts slide in together and fit in together. And it's very tough to move something that weighs as much as like two pickup trucks into place, something where you have maybe two millimeters of space to play with. Um, So uh, it's a very intense process to assemble. But um, way back in Europe where the model was built, uh, it was built by 32 builders and took 17,000 hours to construct. So it was a very lengthy process. Um, It was shipped across the ocean, unveiled in New York, and then shipped here, and it took three hours just to unload the trucks alone that were contain- that uh, contained the models. Wow, that is, uh, it sounds like such a monumental event to just put this together and the transportation of it. You know, you always hear about the master builders putting little Easter eggs on the inside of these models. Um, do you put Easter eggs in the models that you build? I do. Um, uh, the X-Wing, for example, uh, has the signature of everybody who worked on it inside of it. And then it has a couple of special little things. So sometimes we'll hide minifigures in fun places. So if somebody sees it in the future, uh, they might find a little surprise. So in uh, some of the buildings that we've constructed, uh, we put in little scenes that the guests will never see. But if anyone ever takes the building apart, you can find these. And actually, I've found some myself that previous builders have hid. So. That is awesome, man. That is awesome to know that the master builders actually put a little something in there. It's almost like a time capsule type of thing. Absolutely. It's a time capsule. Yeah. Now, you had mentioned the minifigures. Now, I understand that there's going to be a special scavenger hunt for some minifigures. Can we talk about that event going on right now? Absolutely. Um, every year at Star Wars Days, there's two events that I really like because I'm a Lego guy. One is our Lego scavenger hunt. So 
uh, we hide little Star Wars Yodas this year throughout Miniland. Miniland is our area with 120th scale models of United States cities as well as Star Wars. Um, so within Miniland, I hid several Yodas, and you have to find all the Yodas. They're holding little tiles that have letters on. You find all the letters and do a word scramble, and you figure out what Yoda is trying to say, and then you enter in a raffle, and you can win if you've got the right answer. Awesome, awesome. Now, I want to ask you a question. Has there ever been a model that you wanted to build that Legoland rejected? Mostly, we work together as a team, and so we're really uh, sifting through our ideas, and uh, we know exactly what we want to do before we start building it. Um, so usually we have some sort of guide. Um, there are models I would like to build um, that maybe they're sort of personal to me. Um, I would love to build a, a Lego Zeppelin, but uh, it doesn't necessarily fit into our themes currently. So maybe someday that'll happen. But um, nothing that's necessarily been rejected. We're all sort of on the same page with our goals and what we want to build here. Now, when you build these models, uh, is there a computer program that you go to do it, or is it just all in your head and you just have to start from one Lego and work to the finished masterpiece? So for a smaller model, like a little figure, we call them Minilanders. They're in our 120th scale um, area called Miniland. Uh, those models I will build just like you would at home. I sit at my table and I start building it up. I might do multiple prototypes of it. But for a large model, like our huge X-Wing, that we definitely need some software for. And even some of the smaller models. We have uh, Chewbacca, Darth Maul, other Star Wars characters like R2-D2. Uh, so those models, we use a computer program that uh, takes a 3D drawing and converts it into Lego brick. So we have a pretty good guide, although we still have to do some thinking because it might not be the strongest way to put, to, put the model together, and uh, it also um, doesn't necessarily think about the aesthetics. So eyes and other facial features are very important, so usually those parts of the model will do by hand because uh, small, um, small adjustments can make a big difference in capturing how somebody really looks. Yes, and I wanted to ask you... Uh, if there was another Star Wars ship that you would build, like a follow-up to this, what would it be? Well, I would love to build the Millennium Falcon. Uh, I would love to build the Sandcrawler. Those are quite a bit larger than the X-Wing. So uh, you're talking about something the size of a very big building. Um, those would be dream projects. And uh, it would be very, very difficult to move something like that. But yeah, those are my dreams. The, the Sandcrawler and the Millennium Falcon. Oh, a sand crawler would be awesome, especially if you could open it and kind of see what's on the inside and see how, like, a, a droid factory would work. And, you know, we uh, mentioned that we were going to do this interview, and a lot of the fans wanted a TIE fighter, you know, to go along with the, the X-Wing. Yeah, who knows? A TIE fighter is a little bit smaller than the X-Wing, um, so it might be, might be doable. And it would be very cool, uh, a nice partner with the X-Wing. Now, the original area that you have, your Star Wars area, has there been any new additions uh, to that area recently? So that area uh, was unveiled in 2011 originally, and then um, last year we actually added on to every single cluster. So the 120 scale models um, all got uh, new new content. Uh, the sand crawler was one thing that we added. You can tell I like the sand crawler. Um, we also added the OPC killer, which uh, that's in episode one. And so those are two of the major things we added, but we added things to every single scene. And uh, if you haven't seen it in the last year, I might want to come check it out because there's new content there. Uh, listeners can hear the music going on. We got stormtroopers and Ewoks and everything walking behind us. And I know you have a, uh, a busy day. Uh, so I just want to thank you for the time, sir. And uh, we look forward uh, to working with uh, you in the future. You're welcome. Have fun at Star Wars Days. Thank you very much. Thank you, Barrent. 
Finally this week, I did not get in the premium format Shock T from Sideshow. They told me it was shipping soon, but it hasn't shipped yet. But I did get a box from AFX Collectibles. It was that really cheap Gentle Giant Celebration 6 exclusive Clone Trooper statue that started at $200. I got him for $60. Yikes, wow. That's a great deal. I passed on him at Celebration 6 because I spent way too much at that store that night. I got a call from my credit card company making sure that my card hadn't been stolen and there wasn't a fraudulent charge because I had bought all of those exclusive maquettes they did of the Death Trooper and all of those. I bought walklings, I bought magnets, so much there that a $200 clone trooper statue on a already expensive trip wasn't something I felt I had to have that day. $60 was the price that I jumped at. Having it here in person, I'm definitely glad I didn't pay 200 <laughs> and I'm definitely glad I paid 60 It's actually a really nice statue. I can't ding it for anything. The sculpt is awesome. The blue they used on the paint. Primo. It's okay. I think the shade is a little off. It's more of a vibrant blue that usually it is, like a royal. And this is just kind of a different blue. But I like it because it is so intense of a blue. It is a very intense blue. That is correct. And I know a lot of people prefer Phase 2 clones to Phase 1 clones. I go the other way on it. I like the orderliness of a Phase 1 clone. I love that scene at the end of Attack of the Clones where all the clones are lined up there. And you have your few colored commander clones, but primarily they're all white, which was stormtroopery enough that I was okay with the color. When they got to the phase two and every clone looked different, everyone was tagging their own armor, it kind of took away from the point of being a clone, right? I mean... Yeah, where would the identity come from with these clones? They're clones. Stormtroopers never tag their armor, but when you had just a little bit of color... I really loved them. When Attack of the Clones figures were coming out, I was going crazy for these. These were some of the first figures I went nuts troop building with the Entertainment Earth exclusive packs, the Target exclusive packs. So I definitely like the Phase 1 style and just the way the color is the same on all of them. Whatever color they are, the paint is the same. So I like the blue here where it's marked. And it's been a while since I've gotten a new General Giant statue. And I forgot how awesome their bases are. The reflective bases. Just a simple, shiny, black disc that's kind of got some nice edging on it. But it doesn't take away from the statue. I love how glossy the top is where it reflects the statue without being a mirror. Yeah, it's it, their bases are great. It reminded me of the first General Giant statue I ever had. A gift from you. You got me that scout trooper with the speeder bike mm-hmm. where the speeder bike looks like it's floating. It's got that great effect and it was on a base like this. It was rectangular instead of circular, but it had a great base. It was a great piece. Still one of my all-time favorite General Giant pieces. I love the consistency in their bases. Yeah. That's what's nice is because that has the same edging on it, so none of them are going to look like there's something different or you bought it later after they've changed things. Right. And so it's a clean, not battle-damaged clone. His paint job's intact. It's just a nice representation of your clone lieutenant. I also like that it feels sturdy and it's packaged in such a way there was foam around the end of his long rifle, but... This isn't one that has a little antennae or something where I'm afraid it's going to break if I look at him. He feels nice and sturdy. That said, all told, 
He's semi-unspectacular. I can see why 600 of them didn't sell. He's kind of just there. His pose isn't very dynamic. He's kneeling. He's not even shooting. He's like, I can shoot at some point. You need me to shoot sometime? All right, I'm going to keep my gun here. I'll be ready when you need me. Only 600 of these were made, and the fact that they come down in price so much is astonishing, but I'm game, and I think it's a nice addition to my collection that I'm glad I didn't overpay for, but I would have paid more than 60 now that I see it. Honestly, I'd set the perfect price of this at around 120 so to get it for half what I would have liked to have paid just makes this a hell of a bargain for a nice piece. Gentle Giant does nice work. This isn't one that I'd look at and go, oh my god, I have to have it. And AFX did sell out at this price, but keep your eye out because there are some other e-tailers that have this in stock and maybe lowering their price as well. If you bought it, I can't imagine you'd be unhappy with him. He is just kind of nice and basic. But I, I am so glad that you didn't pay $200 for him. 60 seems about right, given the unremarkableness of it. Yeah. It's just, it's it's very static. The only thing I can ding on this is it's one where once you put the base down and put the figure in, you don't want to move him very much. Because even rotating the base on the photo table, I could hear the clanging of the statue against the base. And you don't like to put him in and out of those holes too often because eventually you're going to miss and scratch the base. And you don't want to rotate him if he's going to rattle and perhaps damage or scuff the base. So it's one definitely you pick your place, you pick your angle. You're done with him. Leave him there until you move. You take him off the base and you put him back away. And remember, if you want to be notified of these great sales, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as sign up for the Star Wars Action News new release newsletter when we email about some great sales and new releases from companies. But that is our show for this week. We'll be back next week with Troy Denning. Always a good talk with him. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Star Wars Action News. We hope you've enjoyed the show. We want your feedback and suggestions for Star Wars Action News. You can email us at show at swactionnews.com or post your thoughts in the Star Wars Action News forums at swactionnews.com, the most friendly forums on the web. You can also find Star Wars Action News on Facebook and Twitter. The links to our social media sites are at swactionnews.com. You can be on Star Wars Action News by calling our voicemail at 415-508-JEDI or sending an MP3 or iPhone voice memo to show at swactionnews.com. All materials submitted become the property of Star Wars Action News and are subject to use on our show. You can find even more Star Wars coverage at our sister podcast, Republic Forces Radio Network, where we review each episode of the Clone Wars cartoon series. You can find that podcast at republicforces.com. If you're into Star Wars novels, check out the Star Wars Action News Book Club, where we read and review all the Star Wars novels. That podcast is at swactionnews.com. For more Star Wars collecting, please check out GalacticHunter.com, JediDefender.com, JediTempleArchives.com, and YakFace.com. And we thank those sites for their support of Star Wars Action News. 
You can help support Star Wars Action News by making a donation using the Donate button at SWActionNews.com or by using affiliate links on the Star Wars Action News homepage when shopping online. Your support helps keep Star Wars Action News on the air. We also appreciate it if you would spread the word about Star Wars Action News. If you enjoyed the show, please post about Star Wars Action News on Facebook, Twitter, or your social media network of choice, or just tell a friend about the show. We would also greatly appreciate a five-star review written on iTunes. A link to our iTunes page is at SWActionNews.com. Star Wars Action News is created, produced, edited, and hosted by Marjorie and Arnie. The Star Wars Action News team is segment reporters Jerry, Brock, Jonathan, Nathan, and Steve, graphic design by Chris, image editing by Jay, podcast enhancement by Andrew and Barrett, associate produced and podcast announcements by Brock. Star Wars Action News is not affiliated with Lucasfilm Limited. The show is created by Star Wars fans showing their love of Star Wars. Star Wars and all that the Star Wars universe contains is trademark and copyright Lucasfilm Limited, a subsidiary of the Walt Disney Company, all rights reserved. Until next time, may the pegs be stocked and the Force be with you. Star Wars Action News is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2013, all rights reserved. And no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. Star Wars Action News. Now this is podcasting. Now, over at our big bad toy store, just the simple silver. Why did I call that silver?